0: invite you to open your Bible tonight to the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea, if you're not quite sure where that is, if you head towards the Psalms and then go to the right um, through Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the large prophets there, uh, you'll hit Daniel and Hosea is immediately after uh, the book of Daniel. We're going to read a few verses from chapter one and then we're going to uh, read chapter three. Uh, Hosea is a prophet uh, in Israel, uh, specifically sent to the northern ten tribes. Uh, He's a contemporary of Isaiah, so he's living about 700 years before Christ. These are in the waning days of uh, the northern ten tribes. They are about to be judged by God because of their sin. And yet in the context of that uh, judgment, there's this wonderful story of grace uh, as we see the scandal of the gospel tonight in Hosea chapter 3. Let's begin reading then Hosea chapter 1. and we begin reading at verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Berai, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jerob, uh, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for, this, for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the valley of the house of Israel, and on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter, and the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I will no, have no more mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. Now let's go to chapter 3. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley, and I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man, so will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. God in heaven, now we ask that you would teach us what we do not know. Make us, Lord, what we are not and cannot be in and of ourselves. Um, Lord, use the power of your word and the presence of your spirit to mold us by the, in the, into the form of the gospel as we hear your good news to us again tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The story that we have in front of us tonight is one of the most uh, scandalous, beautiful stories in the whole Bible. Uh, It is a scandalous story. It's the kind of story that we're not sure our uh, children should hear, a story about a woman who slept with strange men and gave birth to illegitimate children. Uh, But it's a beautiful story because God intends in this um, historical event, God intends to show both the reality of Israel's need and our need and the glory of His Scandalous grace. Uh, Maybe you have an outline given to you tonight. We're going to look, first of all, at a scandalous marriage. Uh, We need to understand the historical context. Hosea is a prophet of God, he's a holy man of God called to the service of God, and he is sent to minister to the northern ten tribes of Israel in a time of great material prosperity and devastating spiritual apostasy and idolatry. Israel is giving themselves to the worship of pagan gods, particularly Baal. Um, and uh, that worship would be would be a very perverse worship. The worship of the surrounding nations is sexual-oriented worship as they reenact sex acts that uh, they believe um, make uh, the heavens bring fruit to the earth. So it's incredibly perverse. And yet that is what Israel is, is uh, engaged in. And Israel, therefore, you see, has violated the most basic Uh, precept of the covenant with God, where God says, I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, the, 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 The most fundamental thing that Israel cannot do in covenant with God is prostitute themselves with other nations, and yet that's exactly what they're doing. And so God calls Hosea... To give to Israel a vivid picture, a startling display of who they are in their sin. And so he gives this command. The Lord, when the Lord first spoke to Hosea, the Lord said, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer. This marriage would be a incredible scandal. Uh, Hosea, as I said, he's a prophet. He is a man identified with God. A man of impeccable moral character. A man who um, is holy and godly, devoted to the Lord, devoted to the cause of God. He's an upright man. Gomer is the polar opposite. She's at the complete opposite end of the moral and spiritual spectrum. She's a prostitute in Israel, Uh, a a, a woman who has grown up in the community of of faith, maybe most likely with believing parents, at least of some sort. She knows about the God of Israel, and yet she uh, decided to sell her beauty and her body to get material things that she desired. And so while Hosea is clearly identified with the things of heaven, the steps of Gomer clearly lead directly to hell. And God commands Hosea to marry Gomer. It's it's a morally stunning development. I mean, such things ought not be done. Imagine the most morally upright, godly young man you know, a man who um, has the the approval of the whole community, and, and this young man suddenly marries the most brazen prostitute. You'd be heartbroken. It's, it's, It's inappropriate at a fundamental level. This story is so inappropriate that John Calvin, a man that we esteem highly, Calvin said it didn't happen. Calvin says this in his commentary, there is no doubt that this is a vision For they are too gross in their notions. Now, in the French, that means you have a dirty mind. If you think that the prophet married a woman who has been a harlot, it was only a vision. That's Calvin. Just couldn't go there. Well, even though his remarks are wrong, his reaction is spot on. It's scandalous. Hosea should not be married to a prostitute. What fellowship does light have with darkness? This is an offense. It's it's a scandal before God. So why does God command him to do it? Well, God tells us why. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. God is showing to Israel the reality of Israel. Israel is Gomer. And God is married to Gomer in his covenant relationship with Israel. He's married to a harlot in covenant union with a whore. That's the point of the story. That's the point. And he's been a faithful God to her a faithful husband, but she is completely faithless. Israel is committing spiritual adultery with any pagan god that she thinks can give her the material things that she wants. Israel is a whoring nation. But she's God's wife. And the scandal gets worse. Secondly, we look at a scandalous redemption. The marriage to Gomer was troubled. It started out okay. Uh, Gomer conceived and, and bore a son. That's a good sign. It's a sign of the blessing of God. Maybe Gomer is, is being sort of transformed. Maybe she's being restored. But the second and third children, were they a great heartache. They are most certainly not fathered by Hosea. Remember, God said to Hosea, take a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom." and that seems to be exactly what has happened. In chapter 1, verse 3, we're told that uh, Gomer conceived and bore him, Hosea, a son, Jezreel. The second two conceptions are not ascribed to Hosea. She simply conceives. And the names suggest that these are actually children of whoredom. The daughter is given the troubling name, lo Ruhama, no pity, no mercy. The third child is called Lo-Ami, not my people, not mine. And so when Hosea brings this child to the priest to be circumcised and the priest asks, what's his name? Hosea has the humiliating calling to say, Not mine. It's an incredibly humiliating scene for this prophet, this holy man of God. And then we have the command in chapter 3, verse 1. Go again, love a woman who's loved by another man and is an adulteress. If you're paying attention, it's the word again that gets you. Uh, Have you ever been deeply betrayed? Profoundly wronged. Uh, It has its own hurt and wound to it. And if that's happened to you, you very likely made a promise to yourself never again. Uh, I trusted that person, they betrayed my trust, I will never allow myself to be that vulnerable again. I will not allow myself to be hurt that way again. It's the word again, you see. Again means that Gomer is back on the streets. She's back in the lifestyle that Hosea first found her. Go again means go back to the place where prostitutes do their business. If it had been humiliating the first time for Hosea to go down there as a single man, think of what it would be like now as a married man looking for his wife. But God commanded, and so Hosea goes. That's what prophets do. And he goes to that part of town where godly men should never go, and he, asks, he, he has to ask the most humiliating questions a husband should could could ever ask questions a godly husband should never have to ask of strange men. Have you seen my wife? Have you you seen Gomer? I'm looking for my wife. And when he finds her, she's a slave. She's in bondage to someone. Maybe to her pimp. Uh, Many think that uh, she's Uh, Hosea finds her on the auction block. It's the most wretched and humiliating of scenes. Slaves were sold naked so uh, so, so buyers could could see what they were getting. Uh, That's what her whoredom had led to, just as God had promised in chapter 2, verse 10... Uh, God had said, He said to Israel, Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers. That God's going to expose Israel's sin and expose her shame, and, and that's where Gomer finds herself exposed and guilty and in bondage. That's where unrepentant sin and unrepented idolatry always leads. And there's Gomer on the auction block about to be sold. Her life has been forfeited. And then Hosea comes and buys her his wife. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. Just think of the humiliation or, or the, 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 the amazing thing about this price. You see, the, uh, the price of a slave is fixed by uh, Levitical Mosaic law. Uh, in in uh, Leviticus 27, verse 4, we're told that the price for a female slave is 30 uh, shekels. It's fixed. It, 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 doesn't, it can't move. Well, Hosea, notice, pays 15 shekels, and then he adds to that a homer and a lethic of barley. Well, we know what, um, <coughs> what that costs because homer, uh, because the, the, the price of grain is also fixed. A lethic is a half of a homer. And so it's a, it's a, it's a one and a half homer, whatever that, not quite sure, about nine bushels, of people estimate total. Well, the, the price of a homer of barley is uh, in Leviticus 27, 16. Uh, a homer of barley seed shall be valued at 50 shekels of silver. So if you do the math, you've got one homer, uh, that's 50 shekels, plus another half, so another 25. You have 75 shekels in grain, and then 15 shekels in coin uh, for a grand total of 90 shekels. In other words, Hosea pays three times the price required by the law to retrieve and purchase his wife. And here you sense the the abundant grace and lavish mercy of God, that when God purchases sinners for himself, he pours out grace and lavishes mercy. And and think of of, of the blessing this would be to, to Gomer. She's on the auction block, her life forfeit because of her sin. And the one person against whom she has most grievously sinned, her own husband, comes not to shame her, but is willing to come down to the degradation and and, uh, humiliation of that auction scene. He comes down and publicly claims her as his wife and then pays three times the amount required in order to restore her and bring her home. There's a a glorious scandal to the grace of God. In, in, In some way, this shouldn't happen. Holy men shouldn't humiliate themselves like this and go again. But that's what Hosea does. Holiness embraces lewdness and perversion not to condone it, but to redeem it. Faithfulness embraces unfaithfulness in, in order to restore it. And, and that's the promise that Hosea makes in chapter 3, verse 3. I said to her, can you imagine this conversation? You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man, and so will I also be to you. This is a renewal of the covenant, of the marriage. They're taking their vows again. Where Hosea Calls her now to covenant faithfulness and promises faithfulness to her. He's taking her back, you see, not not just to rescue her from the degradation she deserves, he's taking her back to honor her with a glory and a place she could never deserve. And he pledges himself, so will I also be to you. Friends, that is the that's the glory of God's ways. We read about it in in, in chapter 2 again, verse 16. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the name of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. Verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord." God, you see, in the gospel comes so that everything that was lost in Adam gets restored. And everything that was forfeited in our sin gets redeemed and we are renewed. And God pledges to bring us back into a betrothed, covenanted relationship with him, our God. And gives us the privilege of knowing the Lord. You shall know the Lord. That is That's the greatest treasure, the most beautiful, precious thing in the universe. And God gives it to sinners, to gomers, like you and me. He's a scandalous Savior. There's a prophecy here in verse 4. The children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, They're going to go into captivity. Uh, They're they're not going to have a king. They're going to be in a strange land. They're not going to be worshiping at the temple. But afterward, verse 5, afterward the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. That there's an afterward in the economy of grace. That guilt and sin and even judgment are not God's final word. Not in this day of grace. They're not the last truth. There's an, there's an afterword for those who come. It's seeking the Lord and David their king. Now, David's been dead for years. Who is he talking about? Oh, he's talking about another David, a greater David, a greater king. You see, the, the afterword here is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. It's fascinating to me that... Um, the, the, that Hosea, the, the, his name, right? It means salvation. It comes from exactly the same Hebrew word that, uh, from which we get the name Jesus. That, that God, it, it, it's just wonderful to me that God chooses a prophet named Hosea, meaning salvation, the word that, that we get, Jesus, and that man is called to marry Gomer. I don't, I don't think it's an accident because it's precisely what Jesus has done for sinners, for you. He loved us, you see, when we were Gomer. And he claimed us when we were on the auction block having forfeited our life. And he bought us into covenant with himself. The humiliation of Christ That he was willing to endure for your sake and for mine, coming to his own and his own rejecting him and despising him and coming to the wrong side of the universe, the wrong side of the law, the wrong side of justice in order to find us there and to rescue us there, willing to pay more than we were ever possibly worth to purchase us with his own blood and lavish on us the grace of God. Paul says in Ephesians 1, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. Jesus is Hosea. And he's come for Gomer. He's come for you. He's come for me. The morally compromised people. The spiritual adulterers. You remember when Jesus was on earth and the Pharisees, the moral people, they, they said to him, why do, you, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes? And Jesus responded with a quote from the Old Testament, a quote from the prophet Hosea, Hosea 6 6. And he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In other words, Jesus looks these Pharisees right in the eyes and he says, I came for Gomer. I'm looking for Gomer, the adulterous, lost, forfeited slave. The critical um, thing for you and me tonight is to be able to recognize the glory of that gospel. To, to acknowledge that it's vastly more scandalous than we imagined. I think we sort of maybe growing up in the church assumed that the gospel is a nice story of a nice God who comes and does nice things for struggling but basically nice people. That is not the gospel. It is a holy, thrice holy God, so holy angels do not dare to look him in the face, who gave his own eternal son to purchase gomers with his blood. So that God, the holy God, could marry himself to you, to me. And so the critical thing to, to, is to understand the scandal and then, to, and then to be willing to walk into that scandal acknowledging that you are Gomer. You're Gomer. How many of you haven't been born and raised in Christian homes just like Gomer. And yet, you wanted things, your flesh wanted things. You wanted pleasure, you wanted reputation, you wanted just to have your way, your comfort, whatever it might be. And you did things you knew you should never do because you were serving your flesh. And, and, and then the Lord maybe woke you up and you, and you came to Christ in truth and, and you confessed your sin. And you delighted in your restored relationship and yet how many of you haven't, like Gomer, found yourself off heading toward the wrong side of town again? And like Gomer, once again selling yourself, selling your soul cheaply. So that you could get that next hit of applause or that net hit, hit of sexual pleasure Make, make a little extra money. And you're right back on the wrong side of town. Aren't you glad that God comes again? And again? And again? I think there's so many people in West Michigan who either live hoping that they're good enough for God to love or, or subtly confident or just assuming that they're, they're not good enough and, and maybe the gospel's passed them by. Are you tired tonight, if that's you, of trying to be good enough, good enough for grace? And maybe tonight the Lord is just calling you to, to acknowledge the truth. I'm Gomer. Been a Gomer, born of Gomers. It's in my DNA. But Jesus Christ came for Gomer. Jesus Christ came for me. Jesus Christ came for you. And He gave His life to purchase us so that He could gather us in His heavenly home. He could gather us around His table as His family, as His bride. That's the scandal of the gospel. I pray you'd believe it tonight. Let's pray. Oh, God in heaven, I thank you for a grace that is greater than all of our sin. I thank you for a love that will not let us go. We all have wandered, God, far from the fold of the shepherd of the sheep. But he sought us where we were on the mountains, bleak and bare and brought us home and is bringing us home, safely home to God. I thank you, oh God, for Jesus. My Hosea, I thank you that he came for Gomer. So that sinners like us could have hope that He would come for us. Lord, I pray that the, the glory of this scandalous gospel would sink deep into our hearts and that tonight we would be able to believe that Jesus promises to redeem us and restore us and, and to be our husband. He has brought us into covenant communion with God, a covenant of grace that cannot be broken. And as those who've been brought into covenant, a covenant of grace, he invites us now to his table where he delights to eat with us, to assure us that though we are great sinners, he is a great savior and a lover of gomers. And so, Lord, receive us now as we come to the table in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to ask the elders to come forward. Friends, this, this table tonight is it, it's the most holy it's the most holy thing in the world. Uh, it's Jesus meeting with us and offering us tangible evidence of his love for us. Uh, evidence that the gospel is true. And it, we, we, we dare not treat it as a small thing. How should we escape if we ignore or slight so great a salvation? Uh, Jesus uh, calls you tonight to come. He, he invites you to come. He, he's come looking for you and looking for me. And he invites us now as we believe the gospel and assures us that as we eat this bread and drink this wine, that uh, this is the bread from heaven. This is uh, the wine of the new covenant. This is a, a, a marriage festival. And so I invite you in Jesus' name now then to come tonight. Come confessing the truth about you. Uh, come, come leaning hard on the truth about Jesus Christ, that he has loved you um, and has given his life for you, and that because of Jesus Christ, you, don't, you can put away all uh, guilt and, and shame. You are the bride of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you are living tonight in unrepentant sin, if you're pretending to be a Christian or, or maybe even trying to be a Christian and yet refusing to give up an area of your life, you know that the Lord disapproves of, then tonight stay away from the table. Uh, g- 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 Yes, you're Gomer, but, but, but Jesus calls you to acknowledge it and to repent. If you're not able to do that, if you're just stuck, would you please come and talk to me, talk to one of the elders? Jesus Christ has given you help in the body of Christ. You don't have to remain stuck. You can tell the truth, and you can experience the grace of God. Uh, we also ask that you would be uh, a member of a Bible-believing church. This isn't to exclude anyone. It's simply uh, to, to acknowledge that, that Jesus Christ gives his covenant His covenant meal to his covenant people, his church. And so we would ask that you then respect the, the wishes of the Lord. And if you're looking for a church, please, again, come and talk to us. If you're a member of a Bible-believing church, not here but somewhere else, then we welcome you to join us as brothers and sisters in Christ to this table of grace. This is Jesus' table. He means it. For us, let's ask for his blessing. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are present tonight in your sacrament and that you speak to us in your sacrament in this bread and this wine. Oh God, give us ears to hear. I pray, Lord, that our thirsty souls could drink deeply of the grace of God as it's presented here for us in the bread and wine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Lord Jesus, on the